Well, good morning. I'm Tommy Green, one of the pastors here at Centerpoint. I get the privilege of continuing our Scent series this week, and so I'm excited about that. We've been talking about how, uh, looking, taking a look at the journeys of Paul and how Paul was sent to take the gospel to the Gentiles and how, uh, how we can glean from that because we're a sent people as well. As a matter of fact, when you were walking in, you were given a bulletin. Inside that bulletin, there's an outline of today's message entitled Opportunities in Unforeseen Circumstances. And uh, first scripture on your outline is Acts 1.8, and it says, this is what Jesus told his disciples right before he um, ascended into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And this is exactly what Paul does. Paul takes the gospel to the ends of the earth. And, um, you know, sometimes being a, living a missionary life, a missional life, being sent, isn't always easy because it means it's bringing people into the faith. And so that's not always an easy thing. It reminds me of a story of a um, Catholic priest, a Baptist preacher, and a Jewish rabbi who would get together once a week to have lunch and talk about what was going on in their congregation. And they were talking about this subject, about how difficult it was to bring people into the faith and they said you know the only thing that's probably more difficult than than people would actually be to convert a bear to your faith and so they started talking about that and and uh, they they came up with this scheme one thing led to another and they said you know what we're each going to see if we can convert a bear to our faith and so they said we'll meet back next week and we'll see how it did so the following week they met back and the, the catholic priest went first he he was he was on crutches and had one of his legs that was broke and had bandages all over his head, and he said, you know what, I went out in the woods, and I found a bear. He said, and I began to talk to that bear, and that bear didn't like what I had to say, and so he started slapping me around, and I just began to say a bunch of Hail Marys, and I took out some holy water, I sprinkled him, and that bear just became gentle as a lion. So I thought, you know what, here's my opportunity. I went and got some communion elements, and I gave him communion, and that bear became a good Catholic. And he said, that's how I converted him. And the Baptist preacher looked up at him from his wheelchair with both legs broke, arms broke, and you know he looked up at him and said, well, you know, I found a bear as well, but us Baptists, we don't sprinkle. <laughs> he, said, he said, I found a bear, and, and uh, he didn't like what I had to say either, so I wrapped my hand around his neck, and, and we rolled down one hill, up another hill, and down another hill, until we found a river, and I dunked his hairy soul into the river. He came up, and he was a different bear. And that bear became a good Baptist, and we sang hymns the rest of the day. The Jewish priest looked up at both of them. The, the Jewish rabbi looked up at both of them from his hospital bed. He was all the cast on his whole body, barely alive, IV dripping. He said, you think you guys had it bad? Baptizing the bear, sprinkling the bear, that's easy. You ought to try circumcising one. (laughs) You know, God has given us the privilege of sharing our faith with people. And it's not always easy. And Paul didn't always have it easy. But we can glean some things from him. So let's have a word of prayer. We're going to jump into today's message. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord God, to come and and laugh and enjoy the fact that, Lord God, that we have a Savior who loves us and is for us. And, Lord God, we can take joy in that. Father, I pray as we take a look at the story of, 
of uh, Paul today, Lord, I pray that we could glean some things from him. Lord, he lived a missionary lifestyle. And uh, Lord, he was always looking out for what you were doing. And so, Father, that's what you've called us to be as Christians, Lord. We're ambassadors of the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, be able to, uh, to really glean from these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in our first uh, story, our first message on Paul, we talked about his journeys. And the very first journey we talked about was, was how the church had scattered and they ended up in Antioch. And Paul is there and, and Barnabas is there. And as the church prays, they, they decide to send Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey to begin to spread the gospel as Jesus told them to do, you know, past Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And they take that seriously. And so what they do is they, they begin to go on a trip until they end up right here in Lystra and this area, Antioch, and they, this area called Galatia. Matter of fact, if you read the book of Galatians, this is where the, the story takes place. And last week we talked about how Paul was stoned there and you know, he's not only stoned around town, he comes back and he preaches even more. Well, the people there would have seen that. And, uh, you know, he wrote this whole letter back to him. It's a pretty amazing story that we talked about last week. Well, after that, Paul comes back and he comes back to Jerusalem and he begins to tell the other apostles about how God is using him and Barnabas um, to spread the gospel. And they're like, thumbs up. We realize that God has called you guys to spread the gospel to the Gentiles Keep it up. There's only a few things that we want to encourage you to do. Make sure you keep care, uh, take care of the poor. Make sure that you don't eat stuff that's offered to idols. You just, can you all do that? And yeah, we can do that. So they're encouraged by it. They come back up to Antioch and they tell the church again, hey, we met with the, the apostles. They said, we need to keep on going. Let's do it again. So Paul and Barnabas are praying about going on a second missionary journey. And when they do, Barnabas made... He, he suggests that they take John Mark with them. And Paul gets upset about it because on the last journey, John Mark had abandoned them. And Paul says, I ain't taking him with me. Barnes says, oh, yes, we will. And it got to such a disagreement that they split ways and they went their separate ways. And, you know, some people say that, you know, the church should never have problems. Sometimes it's the problems in the church that actually causes the gospel to spread, believe it or not. So they actually uh, split, split ways and Paul decides to take Silas with him, one of the other uh, true believers there, and he takes Luke, who is the person who wrote the book of Luke, also writes the book of Acts, takes them along. They begin to go back to the area where they are to strengthen the churches. While they're there, they pick up Timothy. You ever heard the book of Timothy? They pick up Timothy to go along with him on the journey, and they, they, keep, they keep praying, God, where's another opportunity for us to share the gospel? And they keep on wanting to go up in this area, Asia Minor, still part of Turkey today, but they, they want to go in this area. And it says twice the Holy Spirit stops them from going there. So they keep journeying until they get to Trostis right here. And one night while they're in this town, Paul has a dream. He has a dream of this man from Macedonia over here in northern Greece saying, come over to Macedonia, come over here, we need your help. So the next morning, Paul and Silas get on a boat, they go over and they end up in the town of Philippi where... Man, I'm telling you what, this amazing story takes place that we're going to talk about today. And there's some lessons we can learn from it. They're there. They begin to go to places where people are praying. They begin to share the gospel. But it's not always easy. And it's not a real safe place. So some things we're going to glean from it today is this. Point one on your outline states that sent people intentionally bring light 
to a dark world. We're going to find that Philippi was kind of a dark area. Okay? Listen to how the story picks up. It says, Once we were going to the place of prayer, uh, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. God had sent Paul and Silas to Philippi. They get there, and a demon-possessed woman begins following them around, mocking them, saying, these guys are going to tell you how to be saved. Okay? They end up in this evil place, this dark place. Why would God send them to such a place? He sent them there because, listen, dark areas need light. And they understood the light of Jesus Christ lived inside of them. And so they went into a dark place. Sometimes dark places look evil. Sometimes they look scary. They look uncertain. And sometimes you and I are called into dark places. It might be at work. It might be at the ball game. And we're around people who don't think the same way we do, who don't act the same way we do. But yet, that's where God has called us because that's where, that's where God's light can shine. And here's an application for us through the story. We don't fear evil. We overcome it. We overcome it. 1 John 4, 4 says, The Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Romans 12, 21 says, Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, I grew up as a good Christian boy, and I used to believe that that if I got around people who were, were living in darkness, that that darkness would affect me and impact me and cause me to be dirty. And so I kept myself away from people who did things that I didn't agree with. And actually, I was friendly, but they weren't my friends. And I thought that that's what you were supposed to do. You were supposed to separate yourself from the world. The truth is that you can't shine your light in the world if you separate yourself from the world. We're supposed to be in the world, but not part of it. And Paul understood that. He understood that greater was he who is in you than he that's in the world. He understood that he was an ambassador of Christ and that it was okay to, even though he, was a, he lived in the kingdom of light, that he had to walk in dark places. And sometimes you and I have to be around people who aren't Christians, who don't believe the same way we do, who live a different lifestyle than we live, who think differently than we do. And the truth is God has called us to be their friends so that we can shine our light. doesn't mean that we have to be like them or do the, and participate in the things that they do. But God has called us to live among them, to bring light into a dark world. Here's what Paul wrote back to the Philippians. Remember, he's in Philippi. His next journey that he goes on, he ends up coming over here to Rome. And while he's in Rome, he's in prison. And while he's in prison, he writes back to a lot of these churches. And this is what he writes back 
to the Philippians who would have seen and would have known this story of this woman following him with this demon. This is what he wrote back to him. He says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining light, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Shine like bright stars, like bright lights in the midst of the darkness. Live clean, live innocent, but be in the midst of it. Here's a note. Light always overcomes darkness. Light always overcomes darkness. John 1.5 says the light shines in darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. As a sent people, as a people who have a missional mindset that think that we're called to, to literally engage the world, we have to understand that greater is he that's in us than the he that's in the world and that the light of Jesus in us is greater than the darkness around us. Amen? Amen. Here's another thing that we can learn from this story going on is that sent people face persecution. This is something that we talked about last week in the message that continues on throughout a lot of Paul's journeys. It says, when the owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attacks against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet with stocks. Paul and Silas were there, and you know what? They were bringing the light of Jesus into a dark world, and not everybody who lives in the darkness likes the light. They were persecuted for their beliefs. They were persecuted for their, for their faith, and they were lied about, and they were told evil things about. And can I tell you, as a sent people, not everyone is going to understand you. Not everyone is going to understand me. And that's okay. Jesus was persecuted for what he believed and what he stood for. And Paul counted it a joy that people would persecute him for his faith because it made him be able to be associated with Christ. Here's Paul writing back to the, to the Philippians again. And they would have known this story. They would have known they had been beaten. They would have known they had been thrown into prison. This is what he tells them. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even as God, even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggles in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. You saw me in prison. You saw me beaten. You know that I'm in prison now. Okay? Listen, don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated by your enemies. Live bold. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't back down. Stand firm in your faith. And don't be surprised when not everyone around you likes you or agrees with you. How many of you would agree with that? That we're living in a country now that not everyone agrees with us. Not everyone likes the way we believe. Don't be intimidated. 
Stand firm in your faith. Here's a third thing we can learn, continue on in the story, is that sent people overcome difficult times by keeping their eyes on Jesus. About midnight, remember Paul and Silas were in prison at this time, in the inner prison. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Everyone's chains came loose. Now, Paul and Silas didn't plan on being in prison. They didn't. But they found themselves in prison. They were beaten. Could you imagine? They were sore. They were hurting. They're in a dark, lonely, cold place. Listen, if I were where they were at, I'd be crying my head off and complaining and shouting. Listen, God, I don't really understand. That dream that I had about coming over here, that must have been a mistake. Because it's not turning out the way that I think it ought to turn out. God, did you really send me here? Because it should be easier than this. That's not what Paul Paul and Silas were doing. They They understood that God was on the throne. That God is good. That God knows everything. That God was for them. And he understood that, God, you must have a plan for me in the midst of my troubles. And they begin to sing songs to God. They begin to pray to him and they begin to put their focus and their attention on the one that they were serving. And they were, they were more, they, they put their minds more upon his goodness than they did on, upon their circumstances. You know, I was blessed to live in a home where I learned this principle. When I was 14, 15 years old, my dad had, uh, had went into business for himself, put all of his money, all of his resources that he had into this business. And uh, I, it, about a year later, that business, it didn't take. And my, my dad lost everything. Um, we, didn't have, we didn't have money. <laughs> we lost our home. Uh, we went through a very, very hard and difficult time. We didn't, didn't have a lot to eat. I remember there were some days that, that I would eat an egg sandwich for breakfast, an egg sandwich for uh, lunch, and I would have scrambled eggs for supper. So, I mean, that was what we, we just didn't have much. But my dad, in all the wisdom that he had, understood that God was doing something in the midst of him, in the midst of this really hard thing. And so in the evening times, when we would get home every night, because we didn't didn't watch TV a lot, didn't have a lot of things, we would gather together after supper, and we would spend 30 minutes or so just, we put on a, a Oh, praise tape with a bunch of choruses. And as a family, we would sing praise songs to Jesus. And we would pray together. And we'd say, God, we don't know what you're doing, but Lord, I know you're doing something. And we would remind ourselves of the goodness of God. And my dad taught me how to do that. And I am so thankful for him. In fact, I talked to him on the phone last night. I was talking about how I'm going to share the story today. And he said, you know what? I can look back on my life. And as difficult as that season was, I'm most thankful for that season than any season of my life. See, during that season, my dad learned to trust God and to the point where he began to teach others how to trust God to the point where that becomes something he was doing full-time where he went into the ministry full-time because people were coming to him and wanted to learn how to do this. And so now when difficult times come in my life, I can't say that I always turn to praising Jesus. Most of the time, I turn to complaining. And then I remind myself, Golly, God's still good. He's still on the throne. I can turn my attention upon him. This is what Paul wrote back to the Philippians 
would have known what he was going through. He said, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Find your joy in the Lord. Okay? I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it as a safeguard of your faith. They would have known that Paul wouldn't have just been writing this to them. They would have known the story of him being in the prison, singing songs and praying to Jesus. They would have known that. And here's a life application from us, from the message in Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, through which most people believe that Paul had wrote this. Not 100% sure, but this is what most people believe. It says this, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. The exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself lagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your soul. Recount what Jesus went through. Remind yourself that he faced difficult times when he kept his focus upon the joy that was set before him. He understood what the outcome was going to be. When you're in difficult circumstances, no matter what goes on in your life, remind yourself of that over and over and over again. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There's a song that that, uh, we sang at the end of the last service. It's called, It Is Well With My Soul. And uh, throughout this last year, I've gone through some a season in my life that, you know, we go through these hills and valleys. I've gone through some valleys in my life this past year with some uh, medical things and some family members dying and just, just difficult times. And, you know, I've had to, to, to really put my focus back on Jesus. And uh, this song talks about no matter what you walk through, that you keep your eyes on Jesus that the mountains that are in front of you can be thrown into the sea and he can calm the seas on your behalf. And because of that, it is well with my soul. And I sing that over and over. Almost every night I go to bed and I put that song on and I remind myself that no matter what I'm facing, he's still in control. Here's another thing we can learn from from this story. It's that sent people see ministry opportunities in the midst of every circumstance. In the midst of every circumstance. So the earthquake comes and every door flings open. Every chain is broken. This is what happens. The jailer wakes up. He woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized, The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Goes on to the story that even after they're there, he and the jailer go back to the jail. They put themselves back in jail, wait for the next morning. And uh, uh, Paul says, hey, they put me in jail publicly. They're going to release me publicly. 
He literally goes back into the jail. Now listen, if I'm Paul and an earthquake comes and I've been beaten and I'm in jail and my door flings open, I'm running out of there, (laughs) right? I'm getting the heck out of Dodge because I am more concerned about my comfort and my well-being most of the time than what God is up to. But Paul and Silas didn't do that. Remember? They understood that God had sent them there. If God had sent them there, they knew that there was a work that God had for them to do, even in the midst of jail. So what do they do? They begin to speak to the jailer about the goodness of Jesus. And the jailer is so overcome by it that he takes them home. He says, you've got to share this with my whole family. So he, him and his whole family get baptized. That's the good news. That's the good news. They literally saw opportunities in the midst of difficulties. Ephesians 5, 6 says, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Can I tell you that I've discovered in my life that most of the time that God is up to something, in my life it looks like inconveniences. It might be a phone call that I get right before I'm fixing to walk up to my kid's ball game. Sometimes it's someone with a flat tire and I'm in a hurry. Sometimes it's a, it's a change in a job. I lost a job and I'm getting a new job and it's nothing that I expected. Sometimes I find that God's in the midst of those times more than any others. And if we'll keep our eyes open being a people that understand that God wants to use us everywhere we are, everywhere we go. If we keep our eyes with arrows out, looking out, God will use us. Now, one of the people that I know that does this more than anybody else is a pastor here at our church. I've seen him and his wife go through difficulties over and over in their lives. A lot of medical things, a lot of circumstantial things, and they always seem to make lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> you know what I mean? They always seem to find what is God doing in the midst of this. And I want you to listen and watch the story of Scott and Celisa Shumpert and how they see opportunities in the midst of unforeseen circumstances. Hey, I'm Scott, been one of the pastors here for about eight years, and this is my wife, Salisa. We've been married for 30 years, and I want to tell you, we love to celebrate. This past uh, March, we are able to celebrate our son being cancer-free for 20 years. When he was nine months old, I took him to um, the pediatrician, actually, two days before Thanksgiving for his well baby checkup, and while I was there... Um, kind of unbeknownst to me, he had a lot of bleeding from his finger stick, and I noticed that the doctor was kind of clearing out the other rooms that the patients were in, and um, as um, he got them all cleared out and came in to talk to me, he said, his counts are off, and I need you to head to Birmingham right now. We lived in Dothan, Alabama at the time, and so immediately we were told to take him to Birmingham, and if he struck a fever between Dothan and Birmingham, to actually stop in Montgomery and take him in the hospital. So we ended up at Children's Hospital that night, and the next day he was diagnosed with leukemia. 
and we started a long journey with them. Yeah, matter of fact, we spent our first Christmas uh, with Kyle in the hospital. And uh, to tell you the truth, uh, I still remember. Hospital wasn't the place I wanted to be at Christmas, but I think it was the best place in the world for us at the time, wasn't it? Yes, but um, but God used that time, and he showed up in so many amazing ways through our time in um, Children's Hospital and then at Duke University as we went to Duke to um, have his bone marrow transplant. Yeah, when we were at Duke, I remember walking in the door of Duke University, and it was uh, 16 rooms from kids all over the world. Matter of fact, while I was there, I learned more about uh, doing pastoral counseling than I could ever imagine. I remember them calling me sometime and saying, uh, so-and-so is about to unplug their child because the bone marrow transplant didn't take, and would you be willing to pray with them? I had a nurse there who came by and picked me up and took my, me and my daughter to church with her. And then we had another nurse that came by and asked us, said, hey, uh, our pastor, we don't have a pastor anymore. Would you be willing to preach at our church? I'm going to tell you, we learned to minister to some families also later on, didn't we? We did. It was, it's amazing how God has used that experience to allow us the opportunity to minister to other families in so many ways. We've had a lot of things happen in our story, and God has been able to take all of them and turn them into ways that we could use them for His good and His glory. I'm going to tell you what, God was teaching me things that I could never imagine. But I remember walking in there and thinking, I hope y'all are okay, but keep the germs off my kid because he's the one that I want to become well. I left feeling saying every white blood cell count that my son has that he doesn't need, I want to give it to you. God had taken my selfish heart of only thinking of one and made me think about the whole community because I love those people. Sometimes we don't want to be sent to where the hospitals into other areas of our life, just like, uh, but God is always ministering to you, but even more than that, sometimes God is ministering through you. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I pray that, uh, that I could be like that, no matter what I go through, that I could see the opportunities around me. And when Paul wrote back to the Philippians, once again, this is what he said. And I want you to know the jailer and his whole family would have been reading this letter when they got back. He says this, keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything that you've heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Listen, Paul was telling them, I want you to bring light into a dark world. I don't want you to be surprised when not everyone likes you and you get persecuted. Every trial that you go through, every unforeseen trial, I want you to do this. I want you to keep your focus on Jesus, keep praising Him, keep worshiping Him, and look for the opportunities all around you. Guys, those are things that we can do on a day-to-day basis. We can live with our arrows out, understanding that God didn't just send Paul. God didn't just send Scott Shumpert. God is sending you. God is sending me. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much this morning 
for the lessons that, Lord God, we could glean from Paul. Lord, I thank you so much for Scott's and Salisa's testimony, Lord God. I pray that, Lord God, that would be inspiring to us. Lord, even today, Lord God, that we'd be unashamed of the gospel, unashamed of what you're doing in our lives, Lord God, and we would bring light wherever you lead us. Father, I pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.